everybody. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. It's been a couple of weeks since I've talked to you, but I was saving myself for Saturday's gigantically, enormously, hugely, magnificently, wonderfully match. I know that didn't make sense, but I don't care. Between Atlanta United and Miami at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, game time is at 5 p.m. I cannot stress that enough. 5 p.m. Kickoff is at 5.09 p.m. This is a different time. Apple wants this game to be the only MLS game that you can see in this window, so it's going to follow their 3.30 Hudson Derby between the two New York teams and kind of a nothing game this season. Now, I've gone this far, and I haven't mentioned Lionel Messi, so I'm kind of proud of myself, but Lionel Messi and Miami are going to be in town. More than 70,000 people will be at the stadium. 400 credentials have been issued, a huge increase over the usual like 150 for this match. It is a team at Lenny Knight is trying to move up to fourth. A team in Miami that was in the very bottom with an anchor before it signed Lionel Messi, Jordi Alba, Sergio Busquets, and hired Gerardo Martino. It's now climbing its way up the table, but it only has a few games left, and it's still six points behind ninth place DC United for that final playoff spot. So this is a massively important game for a whole lot of reasons. People around the world, because of the $2.5 billion deal between MLS and Apple, can watch this game. So... You're going to hear in this podcast from Brad Guzan, from Caleb Wiley, from Atlanta United's new signing, Jamal Thierry, or Thierry, as I was told by Sarah to pronounce it, Gonzalo Pineda. We've got a voicemail. I'm going to answer your typical mails. we got a new guy on the board today, Cody, who some of y'all know, some of you Atlanta sports fans know Cody, is behind the scenes for me today. Much appreciated, Cody. And if this is your first time listening to us, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution is taking Georgia political coverage to the next level. Now, Georgia's smartest political team is adding Hall of Fame political broadcaster Bill Nygut. I am beyond thrilled to be joining the remarkable political team at the AJC. And with the year that we have unfolding in politics, it's going to be an exciting ride. Read Bill Nygut's expert insight on AJC.com and listen to the Politically Georgia podcast with me, Greg Bluestein, And me, Patricia Murphy. And me, Tia Mitchell. Hear new episodes every weekday. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. All right, and we're back. So... I hope you'll follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. The call-in number you're going to get in a little bit, so please just pull over if you're listening to this podcast. Get a pen and paper ready so you can get this call-in number. But first, I'm going to make you listen to Brad Guzan talking about what Atlanta United has to do to avoid a meltdown like it had in the second half against Cincinnati in its previous home match, in which Atlanta United had a 1-0 lead, gave up two late goals to lose 2-1. to yeah, I mean that's 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 always a challenge. I think when you look at 
the best teams in the world and teams that ultimately go on to win things and win trophies and they're able to see out games they're able to whether it be winning one nil two one uh just seeing out the game if you know the old saying if you're not going to win don't lose the game and you know those types of things and i think especially you know when you face a team like Miami with, with the players that they have, obviously Messi, right? He he gives them, uh, he always gives them an opportunity to create something just because of his ability on the ball and, and the attention that he creates on the field. And so uh, it's going to be important that, you know, we play an extreme, extremely you know, good game, but, it, but almost flawless in, in that sense for 90 plus minutes to make sure that we're able to, to capitalize on the chances that we create, defend how we, we need to defend. And as the game goes on and progresses that, that we're being smart, uh, you know, both on and off the ball. At Miami has not said if Messi is going to play yet. Here's Guzan's response to kind of, are they worried about that? Um, I don't know. I think if he doesn't play, it's probably better for us. So <laughs> that's that's not my concern. You know, my concern is to, to try and win the game. And, and I think when we go into this game, it, it it's going to take everything. Like I said, right? Soccer-wise, mentality, the, the physicality, um, it's going to take everything. And, and our job is to go out and, and give it everything we have for this shirt to make sure that after 90 plus minutes, we walk out of that stadium with, with or hopefully with three points. But if, if it becomes that it's not to be that we've given everything that we've, you know, we got close to guys, we closed guys down. They were ultimately the better team on that. And so we need to make sure that we're willing to sacrifice and, and give everything. Because when we played in the first half, we, we were there. And lastly, I can't think of a more important game for Atlanta United, maybe since the 2019 Eastern Conference Final against Toronto. So I wanted to ask Brad if this was the most important game for the franchise since then. You know, I, I don't know if I would say that. Is it a big game? For sure. For sure. Is it the most important game since then? I, I don't know if I would go as far to say that because it's it's always the next game. It's always what what can you affect now? And, and all we can do is plan and get ready for Saturday. And then after Saturday goes by, it'll be it'll be Wednesday. And, and the games will come thick and fast uh, for the next couple of weeks. And we need to now try and finish as high as we can, hopefully to, to find ourselves in a place where we can host, uh, you know, be the, the home team in terms of playoffs and whatnot. And so that's our aim. And our aim is to, to approach these last six games with a, a finals mentality. We got to speak to Caleb Wiley on Tuesday. Caleb was a part of that Atlanta United team that got beat by Miami in the League's Cup with Messi 4 to nothing back in late July, a steamy night. In Fort Lauderdale, it was a. It started off as a good game, and then it quickly got out of hand. Miami quickly kind of solved Atlanta United's press and played around it or threw it. But Atlanta United has several new players that they didn't have for that Miami match, and that group includes Tristan Mayumba, who's done well in central midfield, Saba Lobjanice on the wing, Jean de Silva on the wing. So it's a different team. But I still wanted to know from Caleb what they learned from playing Inter Miami in that League's Cup game that can be applied to Saturday. I think on the defensive side, we got to be more compact, staying together, being more on the same page. Um, I think, you know, Messi, ha- I mean, Miami in general have a good team, uh, quality players, quality individual players. Um, so we got to, you know, I think be uh, our communication has to be better and staying on the same, staying on the same page. I think on the offensive side, um, finishing our chances. I think in the last game, we had chances that we should have put away and. You know, it comes, you know, bites us in the end. Um, so I think if we do that, 
um, will be successful. Is there anything that you learned about playing Messi that you might be able to apply if you try to defend him on Saturday? Uh, just, just not giving him space. Um, it's it's a tough one to answer, to be honest, because you know we all know who he is and what type what he's capable of doing. But you just have to you got to kind of think on his level. Think you know two three seconds before you know what you're usually thinking because he's always he's already thinking you know way before you know what we're thinking. So um, staying on our toes, thinking you know for the worst of expecting you know what he's going to do and stuff like that. And I mentioned earlier there are more than seventy thousand tickets sold and distributed for this match. It's a college football Saturday. It's a music midtown Saturday, but the place is still going to be rocking. Ask Wiley what he expects. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you see it from, you know, all over the U.S. and different MLS games. You know, these stadiums are being filled up. Um, the atmosphere is crazy. Um, but, I mean, it's already crazy at you know, Mercedes. Um, so I'm excited. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. Caleb Wiley, Louisa Brom, Miles Robinson, and Brooks Lennon now have had a few games playing together as a back four. Wiley and Lennon kind of played as wingbacks for a while. They played as wingbacks in that Miami game in the League's Cup. But he was asked how the chemistry is evolving among that back four. Yeah, I think it only keeps it's only getting better. Um, you know, not only from the games, but in training, we're constantly getting reps in. Um, you know, when there's when something when we're reviewing the games. We'll kind of pick out, you know, what we need to do better, and then we'll come out into the field and practice it. Um, so I think we're we're only getting better with that um, and kind of knowing our positioning um, in that little formation. Jamal Thierry spoke to us on Tuesday, his first interview, his first training session with the team. Some of y'all were laughing because I'd kind of had a daily Jamal watch going on for about a month uh, when he was actually going to come to Atlanta United. I'd speculated that if they couldn't get the contract done, I said by Thursday of last week that uh, they may terminate the contract. That was just a guess on my part. But here's Jamal explaining, well, explaining through Sarah, the interpreter, what took so long for him to get here. Um, it did take some time with my visa. Um, we we had some visa issues uh, between here and uh, and uh, Paris. Um, I know that my teammates are uh, expecting a lot from me, and I, I definitely want to uh, make that happen for them. I want to be there for them. And I appreciated Jamal's honesty on the sound because we asked this of all new players. And they all give a version of the same answer, and Jamal didn't. So I appreciate his honesty in this. What did he know about Atlanta United before he signed? Um, to be frank, uh, I had never heard of Atlanta United before. Um, but now I, um, I really wanted to go abroad. Um, learn about a new culture, um, be with a new club, with a different language. Yeah, and uh, when the coach reached out to me, for me it was a no-brainer. Um, I, they, they, they sold it to me and, and, uh, and I couldn't wait to come. Um, and uh, yeah, I can't, I can't wait to make great things happen here. And then just curious if he was scared. I mean, this is a new city, new country, new league, new language, new everything. I can't imagine someone saying, you're going to Spain. We're going to drop you into an office where I don't speak very good Spanish at all and trying to figure out what the heck I'm supposed to do. 
is all of this scary? New country, new league, new language, new... Emotionally, how are you peur. processing this? No, même pas. Après, c'est un, un challenge. Uh, it's definitely a new challenge. <laughs> um, and uh, it doesn't scare me. And, uh, and I definitely want to make things happen for this club, knowing what they expect from me. Now, Gonzalo Pineda, we spoke to him today. This is Thursday. I wanted to also ask him what lessons did he learn from the League Cup that can be applied to this match. Atlanta United, for context, is the first team in MLS to get a second crack at Miami with Messi? I mean, a few things, but I think it's different teams. Like at that moment, they didn't have probably five or six players that are, might be starting this game. We didn't have also maybe three or four that might be starting this game. So um, I, I think it's going to be a little bit different because of that. The home advantage uh, is also important. So I think it's going to be a different game, but for sure uh, we have seen Inter-Miami the last few games. Uh, and yeah, we know exactly how they play. We know exactly how, how we play and we know exactly what type of game it's going to be. And here's Pineda talking about preparing for Messi. Well, I'm, I'm preparing the team as if he's playing. I think uh, he he's normally in the field. We have learned something and why I, I admire him is because he's always about, he's, most of the time he's available. He just loves to play. So I would assume that he's going to play. Well, I would say that we have to be collectively better. It's always my answer against anyone. We have to be collectively better, uh, having more the ball than anyone else. And uh, that's the best way to defend for me. We know how difficult it can be if we allow Messi uh, a lot of time in the space, a lot of times. So we have just to minimize the danger with, with reducing the space for him and reducing the amount of passes he can make. So that's that's approach. And then he was asked, is the team experienced enough to handle this match? And you'll hear in part of his answer, it's some really good points and something that the team really tried to work on in the summer window was getting some players of experience who have seen a lot of things, experienced a lot of things, and they did that. I mean, combined, Lopchenice, Thierry, um, Yumba, and Silva have more than, I think it's 600 appearances in European competitions. Yes, you have seen a little bit of a change since, uh, you know, the good signing that we had. I mean, kudos again to to the front office, the the scouts. The, I, I, now I, I was asking them the other day, uh, how it feels after all this hard work and the process that I was witnessing on watching the data, watching the film and asking about certain questions and little details on each player and being picky with all of them. And, you know, now the outcome, once we have all of them, they've been very impactful. Mm -hmm. So now, of course, it's, it's, it's a good job for them. They, they did great to provide good players. And you have seen the, the change on the field, the, the, how much they have been impacting in the way we play. But I would say that what you said is is what makes me more happy. Is if they added also some sort of maturity, like Shande, Tristan, Jamal, uh, Saba, they have added a little bit of a different spirit to the team. More like guys that been through many many games in a high level in Europe, and they know how to play these type of games. I, I'm sure they they all have faced big big players as well in their careers in big stages in, in Europe. So. Uh, that um, I'm very confident that that will, will be applied in this game. On Wednesday, I was lucky enough to get to have a Zoom with former Atlanta United manager Gerardo Martino. This will be his third time back in Mercedes-Benz Stadium managing a team. The previous two times were with Mexico, which he signed up to lead after he resigned from Atlanta United following winning the MLS Cup in 2018. Tata, as always, was very gracious, gave good answers. I really appreciate Inter-Miami for setting this up. And just to remind y'all that this will also be Joseph Martinez's first match back 
in Mercedes-Benz Stadium after leaving the franchise during the offseason. Uh, his contract got bought down so that he could sign with Miami. He was off to a slow start. He scored his first two goals of the season against Atlanta United in an MLS match earlier this year, also in Fort Lauderdale. This will be his first time back for a match. Atlanta United is going to have a very small little honoring thing for him before the match. They said perhaps when he retires, they might do something bigger. But, of course, he left Atlanta as all-time leading scorer, holder of numerous, numerous MLS records. And his career has kind of been juvenated again with Messi and Busquets and Alba in Miami. But here's Tata talking about quite a few things. It's good to see you. Hey, good to see you. Thank you for doing this, Tata. I very much appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Um, You've been back to the bins with Mexico. This will be your first time coaching another MLS team. What are your emotions? It's like going home. It's a city and a club that I have a lot of love for, and I spent two great years there. When you left Atlanta United, did you think you would be back as an MLS coach with with another team? I always thought I could come back to MLS to work, but it was just that. It was just a thought and, and nothing more than that. Okay. I'm curious. What have you learned about yourself as a coach in the past few years? Everything that happens in our careers, both good and bad, are, are experiences of life and work that serve us to not make the same mistakes. Uh, to every day, try to continue evolving and improving in our work. And evidently, one goes accumulating uh, more of that experience every day. One of the reasons that you had left Atlanta United was you'd said you weren't able to see your family as much as you wanted to. Have you been able to get that issue solved or are you able to, to see them more? Yeah, among other things, now I have my son here working with me. So that's changed a lot. And are you a grandpa now? Is that right? Yeah. Two. Two? Are you Mateo, Mateo and Bernardo. If people want to know, is it probable that Lionel Messi is going to play on Saturday? Yeah, he got here early this morning, uh, but we have to see how he goes from here to Saturday to determine if he'll start, go to the bench, or even not play. Um, but like I said, he got here this morning, so we still have to uh, make that determination. Can you describe for people how you – is it different to manage players like Messi and Busquets and Alba than managing less experienced players? I don't know if it's different necessarily, uh, but it's all just a challenge of trying to learn MLS uh, for them. They're learning a different style of football. They spent a lot of their uh, lives at Barcelona. So now it's the challenge of living a different style of football in a, in a new league. Uh, and they have to kind of live through those moments and, uh, try to have their give their best uh, in terms of football and, and everything else. Has MLS changed in the short time you were gone? Especialmente, um, specifically this conference with teams like Cincinnati and Nashville, the strength, uh, their home field advantage, it's uh, much more competitive. And that's good? Yeah. What do you think is the next step? For MLS, what does it need to do to try to fulfill its goal of being one of the best leagues in the world? Um, I think it's something I've told you in the past, Doug, uh, but for me, it's a league that needs more flexible rules. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> signing young players, there are some rules today with uh, a little bit more, more liberal in the academy level, uh, but also to change the rules yeah. to be able to continue to bring more international players with more quality but always still maintaining uh, and being careful of uh, the, the number of internationals. 
Are you surprised at how quickly the Miami players have been able to to execute what you're asking of them? Y'all have been on quite a roll. It's not normal, obviously, but it's true that there are players uh, of, of high pedigree, so I can't say I'm, I'm surprised by it. You've done it twice now, though. First with Atlanta United and now with Miami. Uh, it remains difficult, and, and at times we, we are able to take advantage. But I think when clubs work well, there's more chance things go how you expect. It's a compliment to you also, I think. <laughs> yes, but I'm part of the team that works well. The staff is just part of it. In Atlanta, we were part, uh, but there were a lot more people involved. And Miami's different, but again, my staff is just part of the group here, and everybody is, is continuing to work well together. It, last question for me. There, there, you know, there was a report that you and uh, Atlanta United's front office sometimes uh, had some friction. Were those true? Those reports true? Yeah, I think it's normal that there's some friction when you spend a lot of time and years together. And I think sometimes that can be a good thing, too. Uh, but always until the last day, we continue working with respect. All right. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When we return, I'm going to answer your email and voicemail questions. Please follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. I'm Ernie Suggs. And I'm Ned Ravone. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for our podcast listeners. If you subscribe today, you can get three months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. That's all of our sports coverage, our politics, our breaking news, our investigations, our food and dining, and so much more on AJC.com, plus access to our e-paper and our assortment of newsletters. But you have to go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. So you always know what's really going on. And I can't, I stress this every podcast, but I'm going to stress it again because it's that important to me. Three months now. This is Georgia Bulldogs football season covered by Chip Towers, who does an outstanding job. Georgia Tech, which has hopes this season. Chad Bishop on the beat for us. Justin Toscano owns the Braves beat and does a fantastic job. They just clinched, likely going to the World Series, although I said that last year and I cursed them. The Falcons won their week one. D-Lez on the beat there. Uh, Stan Autry, Georgia State. All of our politics, our lifestyle, music midtown, anything in Atlanta that's going on, we are on top of it. We don't parachute in to things and cover them. We cover them from the start and we finish the coverage. That's 99 cents. Subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. Please consider doing so. All right. The call-in number is 404-526-AJCP. That's 404-526-2527. We have one voicemail question from Matt in Mosley Park. I got a question. Uh, realize it's uh, maybe unfair question to you, Doug. You know, not one that you're going to be able to answer with uh, certainty. But I just want to hear it. Who is Atlanta going to play in the first round of the playoffs? Jeez, uh, I tell you what, Matt. I'm going to hold on to this question because I got another version of it down below in the question of the week, and I, I want to circle back because that the other question is a little more expansive, and I could give you some more information. I appreciate you calling in. 
That's 404-526-AJCP, 404-526-2527. Pat asks, he had a discussion recently centered on MLS's newest star, Lionel Messi, and the main concern was promoting the individual over the league. I get capturing the moment, but I think MLS has to be careful not to become a league of stars, the way I see the NBA, versus a league of teams. I'm interested in your thoughts. I look forward to Saturday. Cheers, Pat. Well, let me take a coffee sip from some Doug coffee before I answer this, Pat. Mm, that's good coffee. Cody has inherited all the coffee bags that Daniel had stacked up among his floating barrel of a house that he was living in as he traveled around the world. So if you want uh, some of Doug coffee, you've got to reach out to Cody. Um, I This is a really interesting question. I've never really thought about... I don't really think about leagues as being a league of teams or a league of stars. I just kind of all mash them together. But I understand your point that you don't want to oversaturate, I guess, the global audience with Lionel Messi, Lionel Messi, Lionel Messi. But at the same time, it's what they want. You, you know, subscribers have grown by like a million since Messi signed up for, for MLS, the subscribers on Apple. Um, stadiums that don't normally sell out, including Red Bull Arena, which I can't remember the last time it sold out, sold out. Atlanta United, Mercedes-Benz is going to be sold out on Saturday. I don't see the problem. The more eyes you can get on MLS, the more interest that that can be gained, the better off the league is going to be. Now, I've written a few stories this week about Messi's impact. I've got another one coming out either this afternoon or tomorrow morning on how MLS can relax some of its rules to take advantage of Messi and bring more, not uh, type A world-class players, because Messi and maybe Mbappe and perhaps Ronaldo are the only three that occupy that stratosphere, maybe Neymar. But the the type B, the, the Antoine Griezmanns, the Thomas Muellers, even though he's older, but some of the younger guys that still have a few years left in them uh, that could come and raise the level of the league. It's not a bad thing. And Pat says, please send a recommendation or two for a good spot to hold a team meal in Carrollton the night prior to the state cross-country meet in early November. Uh, well, there's a few places. Um, if you just you know want something simple, chicken fingers and, and things like that, City Tavern is good. If you're looking for pasta, there's a, a pizza place on the square there, uh, Nap- Napolitano's or something like that is the name of it. If you're looking for sandwiches, Corner Cafe is good. Um, if you're looking for a more formal thing, Brown Dog is is good. Um there's so many good restaurants on the square there. You can't really go wrong with any of them. Um, and I hope your team does well, Pat, or, or your, your runner does well. Laura uh, sent this to me a couple of days ago, wondering if you have any insight into a possible celebration for Joseph Martinez at the Atlanta United Inter-Miami game. I swear I read months ago, you did, I wrote it, that the club planned to honor Joseph. Then, of course, Messi came over, and with all the build-up to this game, I haven't heard a peep about honoring Joseph for his contribution to the club. Again, the club is going to do something very, very small. It's not going to be a ceremony. It's just going to be kind of an honoring Joseph. Uh, I think, you know, whenever he retires, they may do something larger. He scored, what, 111 goals for Atlanta United, something like that. But that's what they're going to do, and that's probably best because Joseph likely is going to start. It's an important game. There's not really a whole lot of time for, for just rigmarole right now both teams want to get to it ben and cherry talked about really enjoying an article i wrote earlier this week i've written a few and my mind is kind of mush right now because i got a lot of things going on uh in terms of soccer in atlanta that i'm excited about but anyway i want to say thank you ben and cherry appreciate it 
Sean says, do you think the bins and especially the club section where the players walk out will be crazy? The running on the field has me a bit concerned. Um, yeah, so there are good, there is going to be extra security uh, at this game on Saturday to try to prevent people from running onto the field and trying to get a photograph with Messi. It's been a fairly common occurrence, but it's not just an MLS thing. This happens all the time wherever Messi plays. There will be extra security. Um, they won't say how many. They won't see how they're going to be deployed. I know they're going to be deployed slightly differently um, than they have been so that the game can be played instead of interrupted. And Sean continues, what is your take on New England? It seems that even the supporters are getting angry with the lack of information. Too bad for a team with a good season. Yeah, what's going on in New England is just a total crap show. PR handled badly, media relations handled badly, information leaked out badly. No one quite knows or or can say on the record what has happened with Bruce Arena. But then you've got the one assistant coach who reportedly is – the one who kind of turned arena in for whatever he did. And then that assistant coach was named interim. And then suddenly he, two more guys were named the interim coaches. And this guy wasn't even included in the press release. And then the team later came back and said, well, he's kind of on a break, but he's still with the franchise. It's been a total mess. Players reportedly not wanting to train until they got more information. Yeah, it's crazy. And you're right. New England is having a very, very good season. We'll see if they can keep it together these last few games because they're in the running for a really good playoff spot right now. Sean continues, I have to imagine that there will be numerous celebrity sightings on Saturday. Well, you're going to get to see me, and that's really all that matters. Oh, and Sam. Those are the only two celebrities in Atlanta that matter. Juan says, Hi, Doug. I've been listening to your podcast for some time now, and I thought I'd reach out to you. My main question to you this week is, do you know why Juanjo Parata has not played with Atlanta thunderstrike behind me for the past three or four games now yes one i do Luisa brahm has played well partnered with miles robinson uh, you know the team was leaking goals left and right that they weren't all parada's fault not by any stretch but parada's loan does expire at the end of the season abrams does not he's under contract so i'm assuming they wanted to pair abram with robinson and see what happens now you could argue well robinson is out of contract at the end of the season but robinson is the u.s men's national team defender he's one of the best one-on-one defenders in mls He's not having as good a year as he's had in the past, but he's still having a pretty good year. So I think that's why Parata got moved out and Abram got moved in. Abram's a better passer than Parata, too, and, and Pineda wants that to try to break lines. Hernando asks, this was a couple of weeks ago when it got lost, and then I found it again, so I'm, I apologize, Hernando. The fouls in the game versus Cincinnati were a good example of how teams play to disrupt play and take advantage of referees letting fouls go unpunished, like on their first goal. Yeah, I'd have to go back and watch this, Hernando. Um, I do want to mention that the push by Jesus Ferreira on Miles Robinson in like the seventh minute of the most recent game against Dallas was a horrible non-call by the referee. Should have been called a foul on Ferreira. I have gotten to where I don't really like to call out referees that much at games because it all kind of evens out, but that was a bad call. Uh, I need to go back and look at what you're talking about, Hernando. But you do see, and you'll see, particularly against Miami going forward, teams just fouling instead of letting Miami get off on counterattacks or or trying to break lines just fouling the the Man City method without ever getting yellow cards but simply forcing fouls and getting the ball back all right and our question of the week comes from Nick I hope your Labor Day trip and international break were good looking at the Eastern Conference playoff field which teams would you most want to face in the round of three so 
This goes back to the question left on the voicemail. So let us let us go and look. So if you're Atlanta, I don't want to face Columbus. I don't want to face Philadelphia. I think New England, Orlando, Montreal, or D.C. would be the four teams that I would want to face if I were Atlanta United. New England is in turmoil. Orlando is a very, very good team. Doesn't really have that star player that scares you. Atlanta United has always had trouble with Philadelphia. Columbus it would not surprise me to, to be in the MLS Cup. They're having such a good year or such a good second half and really loaded up with talent. Nashville is a team that Atlanta United has had a lot of trouble with, uh, recent result notwithstanding. And Montreal and D.C. are kind of the same in that you don't really – they don't really have a player that scares you per se, and I don't think they could handle the pressure of Mercedes-Benz Stadium with a, with a big crowd. So there you go. As always, I appreciate the questions. I appreciate the call-ins. Please follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. Please follow me on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. Please remember that the voicemail number is 404-526-AJCP. Don't forget about our special offer, subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. And please tell your friends about the show. Please give us a rating and a review on Spotify and Apple. It's what helps us grow the podcast. You'll hear from me again Sunday late morning with a wrap-up of Atlanta United and Miami and any other news that might have happened this weekend. As always, hug your loved ones, communicate with your loved ones. Thanks for listening to Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.